0: There's been plenty of debate about Joe Mixon and his future here in Cincinnati. Let's get into it with a guy who's discussed it from every angle on social media. Joe Goodberry is here to break down Joe Mixon and his future.
1: You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Hi again, everyone, and welcome into the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm James Rapine, joined by Joe Goodberry with Jake Lisco out today. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel Sportsbook is the official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit fanDuel.com slash locked on today to get started. And while we're about to attack this Joe Mixon debate, dilemma discussion from every single angle, But make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Over 15,000 reached that mark earlier this week have subscribed. So make sure you join that club or follow wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, make sure you follow Joe Goodberry. Speaking of following, at Joe Goodberry. This is a throwback to the throwback edition of Locked on Bengals. Because day one, Locked on Bengals listeners know that I would bring in Joe Goodberry when it was definitely just audio only. For some film breakdowns to talk about the Vontez perfect days or the heck Brandon LaFell Andy Dalton days.
2: Why are you bringing up the bad
0: days? The- and <laughs> including, well, it was just back then, right? <laughs> including draft Joe Mixon days. We, That's we right. certainly talked a lot about Joe Mixon. Those were exciting days. Podcast. They were. They were. I, I think people forget how exciting of a prospect, you know, we're looking at all these different prospects, exciting of a prospect on the field, of course, that Joe Mixon was. And that's what I I think is one of the many interesting things is I was really high on Mixon. I can also see why 12 plus uh, a $12.7 million cap hit. That's unreasonable. And you got to find a way to make lighten the load there. If you're going to keep him around and it's stemmed into this huge social media thing. And you have fans on one side, fans on the other. And so I just, I want to discuss it. What What are your thoughts on Joe Mixon as of right now and his future in Cincinnati?
2: Yeah, I actually like that it. it ended up leading that way of, we did like Joe Mixon coming out of that class. Honestly, if I was ranking him this year, he'd probably be the number two back. He'd probably just be right behind B. John Robinson. And now the value has probably shifted even mm-hmm. you know, less at running back in, those, in these five years, six, six years since then. Um, but at the same time, he was a very good prospect. I thought he was the best running back in that class. And then for years we talked about, hey, the Bengals aren't using him right. They're not – he should be a tremendous receiver. He should be helping this team in the passing game way more than he has been. And last year they did, and it really helped, I think, uh, probably extend what I thought – what I think of him going forward and and what I thought of him last year, because I didn't think he was as effective as a runner. But at the same time, if he's going to be a big part of the passing game, which is really where the dilemma starts to break off, because can you be a big receiver without being a big blocker in this offense? I think that will be a big discussion we have here. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, yeah, that $12.76 million, when you're a team that's knocking on the door of the Super Bowl, are you maximizing the roster? Are you maximizing the cap space if you're carrying such a heavy weight at a position that whether you look at data or just use your eyes and watch the film, you would say, I'm not sure he's worth that money or any running back is worth spending in this offense at that price. And – you know maybe
0: christian mccaffrey would be right maybe there is that perfect fit but he's not christian mccaffrey and he's not having that type of impact and i think the numbers look okay like they don't look awful i agree with you you know you look at his yards per carry this past year certainly down but the the receiving element i think he's gotten better gotten a better rapport with joe burrow but the thing i always come back to is this team plans on playing in a bunch of big games and the past two seasons Game on the line, right? Heck, Zach Taylor was asked in Super Bowl 56, hey, should we get Joe out there? He was like, keep, keep Samaje out there. And at the time, a lot of people were like, oh, well, that, why the hell wouldn't you have Joe Mixon out there? And I get it. I understand that. Short yardage, third and one, fourth and one. And then this past year, we saw it again. And I think a lot of fans said, oh, well, they they operate a little better with P Pirine on the field. And so it hurts to lose Pirine, but he wasn't commanding anywhere near the $12.7 million cap hit that Mixon is. And so that's what I keep coming back to is if you can't play in the most meaningful moments at a position that you're right is devalued, the writing seems to be on the wall when it comes to the 12.7 million
2: bucks. Yeah. So I think that leads to the conclusion of he doesn't really fit the offense. So if it's two years in a row, because it it wasn't just the Super Bowl, if you remember week one of 2021. They've got to drive down the field in overtime to beat the Vikings, right? They're at the 50-yard right. line, and it's going to sound exactly like the Super Bowl. It's third and one, and some IJP Ryan's in the game, and they give it to him. He gets stuffed, just like the Super Bowl. The next play is the play action, Uzama on the, yep. you know, the wheel route. On the other side. Exactly yep. right. So they should have pulled that off in the Super Bowl, but that's where that's where it changed a little bit. But it, it, that lasted all year in 2021. They can't. He's even publicly. Taylor was like, "We got to figure out better ways to work Mixon in." Yada yada. It seemed like coach speak after 2022 goes by, and clear defined roles of them not trusting Joe Mixon in pass protection. Now, I do think that gets overblown. Like, because if we've talked long enough, I will evaluate the players and I'll critique the coaches, organization, the drafting, whatever it may be. It's all on the table. I believe they may be overvaluing the the. the pass-blocking aspect of Joe Mixon. If they don't trust him there, you're still running about 150 more routes than you are pass-blocking. If Any running back, just Samaj Piran, Joe Mixon, they all three-to-one ratio of running routes versus pass protection. So I think of that Chiefs game where Mixon's not in the game, uh, Tyler Boyd's down, and they're doubling T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, right, this last AFC Championship game. And nobody underneath can get open. So P. Ryan's blanketed. He's not a route runner. He's not some fast, elusive guy. Uh, Hayden Hurst, Trenton Erwin, these guys are just blanketed. They're not that type of guy. And the Bengals are, and Joe Burrow's dropping back with a poor offensive line with a bunch of backups in front of him, thinking nobody's open. I'm just chucking this up to Higgins and, and Chase at this point. I'm sitting here like, man, get Mixon in there. I don't care if he can't press protect as good as Pirine. At least he can win one-on-one most of the time as a receiver or, or get him this ball in space as they're sending everyone back to cover these receivers. So I think the coaching staff should be more flexible with Mixon if he's on this roster. But if he's not, I would say it's because he doesn't fit this offense, not just in the passing game, but in the running game also, that shifted to an inside gap power scheme.
0: Yeah, I think that that's, that's the part. I don't think Mixon's a bad player even now. It's not like he's bad. But the coaches aren't leaving. And so you might want to put some blame on the coaching staff and how they used him, which we certainly did. A lot of people did after Super Bowl 56. But if, if you can take those assets and apply it elsewhere, make use of it elsewhere, and still have the same, if not more of an impact from – I don't know, one of the – Jameer Gibbs, right? Like it, it seems like he would be on the field uh, plenty, right? And, and let's, say ha- let's say it's a backfield tandem of Zeke Elliott and the Pirine role and Jameer Gibbs in the mix-and role. And I know it would be more hybrid. But I think that could be a, a really dynamic backfield where you do have that pass blocker and that veteran, Pirine, but it, it's now Zeke. And then you have this home run hitter that can catch 80 passes if you want him to and Jameer Gibbs out of the backfield. I think that's as much of an argument as anything. It's not just the money. It's there's a ton of replacements out there as well, or guys in this draft that, that could do what Mixon has done. And, and let's continue the conversation with that. And we'll, we, we will do that up next, but first a word from Fanduel. Fandle is a one-stop shop for all things sports wagering. And right now, America's number one sportsbook FanDuel, by the way. You can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. I have it on my phone. You should, too. You can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. And the NBA playoffs are just about here. With the Lakers and Warriors making weird playoff pushes, Andrew Wiggins has returned, LeBron James making game winners on Tuesday night. FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at an even bigger payout with the same game parlay. So get in on the action, get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets by going to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA.
1: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast.
0: all right, Joe, how much of this with the mix-in conversation has to do with what's out there and what's available and, and how they use him and being able to find, and this is a running back's question as much as it's a mix-in question, but being able to find a replacement that is as good or better for much less from a, a cost standpoint.
2: Yeah, so there's a few points here. Number one, I think the conversation rebubbled up when – they didn't get a free agent back, right? In those first couple of weeks, it was like, well, okay, then what's happening? And it's and the reports were that they offered to my P. Ryan the same deal, but couldn't be to committed to the time they were going to split with him at running back, right? Because the idea is they're going to draft a guy at some mm-hmm. point. Even with, if you would have kept P Ryan and Mixon, you're probably still drafting a guy. If you're going to keep mm-hmm. P Ryan and get rid of Mixon, you're drafting a guy. Zeke Elliott. Name a running, a veteran running back. They're going to draft one at some point. This is probably the deepest running back class since the Joe Mixon class, who had tons of guys that went in the then the first, second, even late to Aaron Jones and the you know on day three. Fournette, McCaffrey. Yeah. That was the Camara
0: draft. Yes. Dalvin Cook in on him. Dalvin Cook.
2: Yeah. There was a ton. It was, it's silly. Even Austin Eckler undrafted. So it was all down throughout. It was a crazy. I about
0: Eckler. Oh God.
2: This is that class again. And, and you know, every, it's a cycle. It comes around every, every once in a while again, this, you're at that point. I wish they had enough picks to draft two of these guys. Cause it's so deep. So now you're presented with the opportunity to potentially find a cheap, good option at running back in this class. And I think the way they have attacked free agency also because they didn't get a veteran, but because they filled most of the needs that they needed to heading into the draft, you've now got glaring draft targets at probably tight end and running back. Right. And you're saying, okay, you're probably going to take one of those in the top four or both each of those in the top four picks uh, in this draft. Who's it going to be at running back? And if you draft a guy, because most of these running backs, almost all of them, and when you guys spoke with Steve Radicevich, you got the the same conclusion that I feel when I watch these guys. It's an unknown if they can block. It's an unknown if they can be the third down back. People ask me every time I'm watching a prospect, I'll put out clips on Twitter. Well, how's his blocking? You don't know, guys. He only did it 20 times all year. You have no clue if he can handle it or not, and they're not asking him to do full reads the way they will in the NFL. So how do you get a rookie running back on the field? It's probably as a runner first. It's probably in the Joe Mixon role first. If you yes, yes. So if you think about it, like, where's the, the opportunity going to come from? Where's that rookie going to bite into? It's going to be into Joe Mixon's role. So now even more, he is going to be used less. And be and cost even more. And we haven't fully said it. if the Bengals decide to cut him after June 1st, they save 10.1 million dollars against the cap. It's puts a little bit of a hit this year and next year, but as the cap increases every year, that you know putting it into future years is a smart thing to do. And the last point here is if you use EPA or any data source, it says that even like Derek Henry at his best, his replacement costs to the backup or what he provides versus his backup running back is similar to like a wide receiver three. So when I say a running back doesn't impact the game, even the special running backs, because there are so many, because so many teams have reliable number twos and even number threes, that the difference between these guys is not big. You could probably draft a guy in the third, fourth round and he would run all over the bills in the same way that that Joe Mixon did because the line was blocking because everything was working on that day. It didn't take a special player to have that performance.
0: And that's, that's the interesting element of it, because I, I agree. I think the quickest path for one of these rookies, Israel Abanacanda, right? Let's use him. Third round, fourth round, something like that. Late day two, early day three. If you land him, where is he going? He's not going in that pass-catching, receiving role. And the Bengals clearly want a guy who can pass-block in that role. Because Mixon can run routes. He can catch passes. He's, he's still a good player. But are you paying that for what you would probably get if you had Israel Banacanda on the roster as well, right? A guy who, if he gets to the second level, could take off and be explosive. I mean, one of the things, and I go back to this, whether you talk to Zach Taylor, Brian Callahan, anyone on offense, going into the 2022 season, they wanted to get more explosive in the run game. They knew that they had to get more explosive there, and they weren't. They just weren't. The five-touchdown game, I get it, but Joe Mixon wasn't that explosive at the running back position. They need to get more explosive this offseason, and I know there's a lot that goes into that, second-level blocking, all of those things. A lot of it has to do with the running back as well.
2: So Joe Mixon, his breakaway percentage, this is 15-plus yard runs, 17%. He went from 14 in 2021 to 7 last year, 15-plus runs. It is the lowest rate in his career. His elusive rating this year, it's a PFF, how much do you make guys miss, right, per touch, uh, was the second lowest of his career to his rookie season. So these are two numbers that sh- start to show when a running back starts to decline. So to think that he would be have a better year or have just as good of a year is probably too much – hope rather than actual evaluation there. All the numbers and indications say that he's declining or starting to. I still a good player, but if you want to catch it before that guy declines, not afterwards, you don't want to be sitting here with a guy that's costing you $12.76 million against the cap, and he can't help your offense. So when the Bengals coaches, and everyone talks about getting more explosive in the run game, why is it so important? Why do you want that home run hitter or that elusive guy at running back? We saw how much these offenses, are, are these high-powered offenses—the Bills, the Chiefs, the Bengals—are facing these cover-two shells, meaning two safeties back. Everyone's saying we're not going to let Jamar Chase go fifty yards over our head and gritty in the end zone. We're not going to watch that anymore, even though it'll still happen, right? But there, as much shells as you can possibly imagine were played against the Bengals last year, and the Bengals struggled with it a little bit early in the year, and then they figured out out as the passing offense became the number one passing offense against it. But it still didn't get teams out of it. The only way to get teams out of it and to get back those deep balls down the sideline more consistently to Higgins and Chase is to run the ball and have explosive runs. You can't just be a good running team. Take that Bills playoff game for an example. The Bills stayed in cover two the entire time. It did not flinch. Mixon's getting 4, 6, eight, 12, 4, 6. I mean, they're just running it down their throat. And the Bills are saying, fine, you have continue to do that. You're going to have to go 12 plays to score. And the Bengals did because there was no resistance. But you're only going to get a defensive coordinator to come out of that shell and loosen up and give you these shots downfield to your, your weapons. You want to run the offense through Burrow, Higgins, and Chase. You want the downfield shots to be there. That's where these guys' strengths are. The only way to get a defense out of it is to scare them with a running back that goes 25, 35, 40 all the way down the sideline to the score because he makes that safety miss, he makes that guy miss in the hole, and then he rips it. And there's a lot of guys in this draft that can do that. That isn't what Mixon provides anymore. And it makes this offense worse because of it, because you're never going to get these passing options back open downfield with Mixon as the back.
0: I want to get into some of those guys, some of the draft prospects. But before we do that, let's let's kind of switch gears and, and look at the case for Mixon, right? We know he's a captain. We know he's an important part of the roster, all of those things. What if he's willing to take a pay cut? Can he, can he still fit? Do you envision a scenario, you personally, where he could come in and maybe it's more of a pass-catching back role? Maybe they do ask him to pass-block a little bit more and and try to trust him in that area. And instead of bringing in a Zeke Elliott or Rashawn Johnson, let's say, who's obviously known um, as, a, as a good pass-blocking back, not sure if he will be in the NFL, but one of those guys. And they let Mixon do more of that. Could you see that role? Is a pay cut necessary in your mind? What, how do you view that? The case for for keeping Mixon around in 2023?
2: Yeah, I think even if it's at twelve point six, twelve point seven, six million or if it's you can get it down to six and a half, seven million with a pay cut and a complete um, new deal, basically, is what it would be. Yeah, if either either scenario, I would be approaching Mixon because I believe if you draft the guy, he's going to eat into Mixon's playing time as a runner, as the first and second down guy. So I would approach Mixon and say, listen, we like you. You're a captain. Your teammates like you. You're still effective. And I still want that power guy for those two or three games a year where you need to lean on one. He's good at it. And, the, you know, that Panthers game comes up. Remember, Jamar Chase is down. We're coming off that uh, that Monday night meltdown on the on was it Halloween against the Browns? Right. Where we're like, man, we don't know if anything's going to happen here.
0: Mike Hilton was hurt. It was, it was bleak. It was like, you better win this game going into the bye because they were four and four. And they talked
2: about how uh, Brian Callahan went in and said, guys, we're running it down their throats, get ready to go. And like, sometimes you need that mindset and that reset. And I'm glad they had Joe Mixon for that because I do think it re-sparked them into being physical, being tough and being willing to do whatever it takes to win the game. Right. There is an element to that that you need for running the ball, but I would approach Mixon and say, I'd say, listen, you're better as a receiving back than a running back at this point. That's still a huge element in our offense. We need you to be the the guy that can block also. We need you to be the third down back also. Now, he's always had Giovanni Bernard. He's always had some IJP Ryan. He's always had somebody that he can, all right, you take that role. That's your role. That's your job as the two-minute back, as the third down back, pass protection back. Hey, that guy's not here anymore, Joe. We now need you in. to yeah, – Yeah, you need to commit. You're the veteran in this room now. You commit in the offseason. We're going to work with you as much as we can. We need you to meet us in the other halfway, and you're going to be our pass-protecting back. You're going to catch probably 60 balls again, and that's going to be your thing. And you're going to be able to, to focus on that and have that be your part of the game as you go forward. And I, I the, the price, I would love if they can get it cheaper and use that money to extend uh, Joe Burrow and, and, and T. Higgins – But even if not, the better way to use him would be to transition him into that role.
1: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: And it's going to be interesting to see if, if both sides can do that, right? Because there's trust issues, there's willingness issues, there's... The fact that I I do think that the Bengals are going to approach him about a pay cut minimum. And does that hurt feelings? Are they willing, if they do that and he says no, to just keep him around? Or do you, and usually when you do that and the the veteran says no, then we know what the answer is. Hmm. So there's a lot there because you're right. I, it's not a sunk cost yet. And that's the point is, yeah, he's under contract, it's not a sunk cost. And you have a lot of other ways you could use that money. And by the way, I'm sure some are thinking, what about Jonah? We're actually going to talk about Jonah on tomorrow's show right here with Joe Goodberry. So that's a tease for that. But at running back, and Jake and I have had these debates, just transitioning from Mixon to um, the, the running backs in this class for a few minutes. Let's start with Bijan Robinson. I'm pretty much on record. I think if he's there at 28, he's probably the best player available. It's hard for me to find... Uh, a scenario where that isn't the case. in some of these simulators on our mock draft earlier this week, I took Bijan and I just, I'm all about if you can add this dynamic player and you do it. And I think he is that. And I know some would debate it and all of those things, but all the things that the Bengals are looking for at running back based on what you've seen, could Bijan bring that? Would he bring value? Because I think special talents, even at running back, are still game changers. I think Christian McCaffrey when healthy is special, right? I think some of these guys do add. Could Bijan John Robinson be that guy, or would you pass on him at 28?
2: So Bijan's gonna end up as a top five player on our board. I mean, it's hard to deny it. He's got everything you're looking for. And in fact, if we were basing fit or judging fit, it could push him to number one on the board because Ooh. I think he would be a tremendous fit. They're a inside zone shotgun gap scheme at Texas. He's gonna run the exact same stuff in Cincinnati. Uh, do everything out of the shotgun. He can pass protect just as good as you hear about Roshan Johnson. Bijan's just as good. The Texas whoever's coaching them and whoever's asking them uh, or telling them what they have to do, the responsibilities it's the exact same, and they both do it very very well. He's got great hands. He's elusive. He can rip off runs. Bijan would be a tremendous fit and would elevate this offense. You would probably cut Mixon right away. <laughs> like as soon as that pick's made, you're like, all right, sorry.
0: <laughs> That's the one where it's it's like Burrow and Dalton. Right. And I've I've kind of put that out there. I the Bengals knew they were taking Burrow, but they kept Dalton until after the draft. And then yeah. moved on. I could totally see that in this scenario, too, with Mixon. Maybe not, but I, I could definitely see it.
2: So the only thing negative about that is the opportunity, right? The opportunity to draft a premium position or a high paid position or an impact more of an impact position, which is defensive end, corner, offensive mm-hmm. tackle. We don't need a receiver, but that would fall into that position grouping. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba won't be there. But. Sure, right. But that's the idea you'd rather draft a premium position player because you can't, if you wait until the second and third rounds to draft an offensive tackle, you're probably not getting a good one, like just based on history. But the if you draft a running back in the second, third, fourth, fifth round, you could find a guy that complements your offense and is really good. And, you know, so the opportunity there to draft a premium position, it's going to be dependent on each person here. You ask me, you ask you, you ask other guys. Balancing that internally, I'm saying this guy is a blue chip player, and I think he'd be an instant impact player and elevate our offense versus, yeah, but is that better than – drafting Darnell Wright, Kalaja Kansi, and then Israel Canada oh. in the third, right? Is that – which one of those options are better than taking um, B. John Robinson and then Blake Freeland, let's say, in the third, mm-hmm. if he's still there? So, like, you've got to balance that, and I don't know what the right answer is.
0: Get All right, first off, give me the scenario where it's Kalaja Kansi, Darnell Wright, and B. John Robinson at 28, if they're all there. Give right. me that scenario, right? because that would be fun. I think I would take Wright – it's tough. It's right or can for me if those two guys are there.
2: Right. I just, I, so I, the I think they scenario have to has gone. to be, yeah, exactly.
0: I, I think they would be gone though in the scenario where Bijan falls. But, right? right. I mean, that's, but maybe not. which right. Maybe 18 quarterbacks go and then it could be really fun. <laughs> um, Jameer Gibbs, they met with him at the combine. How would he, a uh, combine, how would he fit in this offense? Do you think?
2: So Gibbs looks like Chris Johnson, Jamal oh. Charles. Right? All like, right. guys, I know. All right. right? <laughs>
0: well, if he looks like that, then I, I don't – I mean – Honestly, he's – Johnson he, was amazing.
2: He's a sleeper on, for pick Charles 28. People keep putting, like, what if Gibbs in round two? No, he's a sleeper for pick 28. In a scenario where the tight ends are gone, maybe the top tackles – because Darnell right, I think, could go top 20. In I a scenario you. where they are lower on kalajic cancy Now, I would knock them completely if we're not taking Cansey. Right. Uh, a scenario where they're lower on maybe that second grouping of corners and they are really high in Gibbs. Gibbs is going to grade really high for us, which usually has a strong correlation. The Bengals typically are drafting close to who's, uh, who's highest on our boards when they're, when they're on the clock. Um, he is a home run threat, obviously. Crazy speed, agility, uh, good patience. Doesn't have the power like the Chris Johnson and, and the Jamal Charles type. Just he, he will run it inside because he's tough enough to do it really presses the hole really well, strings linebackers along with them, and then just outraces them to the corner and they can't touch them. But as a receiver, man, he like what well, put on the Texas game and he's running Texas routes against Texas linebackers and just murdering these guys and just wide open. And having that And that Chiefs AFC championship game, they wouldn't have doubled. They would not have doubled. Uh, chasing Higgins the way they uh, did in that game because he would have been catching these over the middle and going 40 yards down the middle. And it would have been like, all right, we got to get out of here. We got to put a safety on this guy. We got to get somebody better to to cover this man. Uh, Or we have to blitz, which great blitz him because he's not a great pass protector. The Alabama asked him to do a lot, but only one year in that system after transferring from from Georgia tech. So defense would say, all right, we'll blitz Gibbs and make him mentally process this. Okay. You got Joe Burrow. Come on, blitz me. And we'll find the open guy. Uh, So, you know, I, I think Gibbs would be a tremendous pick if you can get him at the right value. I just don't know if that's at 28 or not. 33,
0: trade down, yes. something like that. Like like they took Gio. One, the 20th pick, I know it's still first round, but it's barely first round. So, But two, if you trade down to 33 or 34, there's a benefit to that. But the other part, if you don't want to give running back second contracts, the fifth-year option is nice. Yep. Like So so there is there is some interesting aspects to it, but you describing that, I, I think a lot of our listeners would forget or maybe not even have watched Chris Johnson in his prime. He was an absolute animal. And then Jamal Charles was probably the most underrated running back in my lifetime. Yes. I mean, he's unbelievable. So if you could get, especially Charles, because he's a great pass catcher, too, I thought. Mm. So that would be fun. All right, let's. Some other backs that stand out to you. I've, I've talked about Israel Abanakanda on this draft. He's not uh, on this podcast. He's not really the pass catcher, but I like him a lot. Um, I'm sure you you probably like him a lot. I like his name at least. I do. But uh, what what else? Uh, what what other guys stand out, including Abanda? Yeah.
2: So quickly on Abanda, he his hands are fine. His routes are fine. They just didn't use them that much in there. Uh, you know, it's just how offenses work in college. Sometimes they just don't use the running back in that. Uh, facet of the game, but he can do it, and I thought he did really well every time he um, he caught the ball. But I would take a a home run threat, the only probably home run threat in this class that's also two fifteen. Like that's got to be appealing to the Bengals if they want a big back mm-hmm. to replace it, but a guy who actually can rip one down the field and, and go the whole distance. It's a Bannackanda. I wouldn't be surprised if it was round two, pick sixty, if they took him there because I would have Zach Young too. He's young is, too. He's 20 right now, yes. currently 20 years old. 20.6, I believe, if I remember correctly, at draft time. So he was going to finish most of this year before he even turns 21. And we see now that's worked out with Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. When they draft young guys that have produced, man, they become instant stars and studs for this team. And I think uh, I think the Bengals like that, the way they drafted the last few years. I think Zach Charbonnet out of UCLA could be a second-round pick. He's more of the bell cow type but well, he's probably the second best inside shotgun runner behind B. John Robinson, very manipulative runner, very hard to tell which hole he's going to hit. He's patient. He's accurate in his footwork and his steps. What helps your, that helps your offensive line look good when they know where the guy's going and how fast he is and when he's going to bounce out. It really offensive linemen are going to love blocking for this guy. Uh, he's got good hands. He can best protect as well. He just does not have the home run ability. He just is he will make that safety miss and then get caught by the other safety. So it's like Rudy Johnson, faster than Rudy, more agile than Rudy. But, okay. you know, I would say he's, he's more of Corey Dillon, you know, Corey Dillon was fast for a big back, but you know, so I, in between, so if Corey was like fast for a big back and Rudy was like slow for a big back Charbonnet is closer to Dylan. He's not completely to that level, but I think speed is probably the most overrated thing when it comes to running backs. So you can still rip one if you get the right situation. The thing is with the Bengals, they're not going to get a lot of heavy boxes. Like, cause that's why uh, Derek Henry rips off these long runs. It's because everyone's going heavy boxes against Tennessee. He breaks the one line and he's gone. The Bengals aren't going to get that. So you need a guy with speed and elusiveness I think this class is full of them. If you get into now day three uh, or third round or later, and a guy I just watched today at ECU, Keaton Mitchell, Mm -hmm. we talked about Chris Johnson. He's from the same school there, He's but he's 5'8", 180. So there's a lot of these small guys, Devin A-Chain, guys that have the speed uh, that could be complementary pieces. Are they third, fourth, fifth rounders? Deuce Vaughn is another one, extremely small, but complementary pieces that help. you. yeah, it, and I'm just saying, like, if we're in the fifth round and you haven't taken a running back, and this is – maybe the Bengals have already addressed this position by then. but Probably. But I'm thinking of that Chiefs game and that still image of the running back not being able to get open, tight end, slot receiver, backup slot, not being able to get open. You put Deuce Vaughn in that position, he, he's going to get open, and you're going to use him as a weapon. So even spending a second pick on a running back would not offend me at all. And then I like some of the uh, light, later round guys like Eric Hall – or Deneric Prince, who was actually the Bengals running back coach, coached him a couple of years ago as well at Tulsa. Uh, I think he is a big back with long speed. He, he runs and looks like Joe Mixon. I posted a lot of clips on my Twitter page of him. I think he's probably a fifth, sixth, seventh rounder, but he's Mixon that runs a 4-4. Four, four.
0: Hmm. Okay, and he's going to fall. You think he's going to be that late?
2: I do think so, only because this class is extremely deep. Yeah. That's uh.
0: Sign me up. By the way, we, we've talked about Deuce Vaughn. I said get Joe Burrow as Darren Sproles. Yeah. Wouldn't mind that one bit. You know, even if they do go running back early, I think the two positions that they could double up on, tight end and running back. And I know they only have seven picks. Who knows what happens? But I think there's just going to be a lot of scenarios where they look up and they're like, the best player available, is a tight end or is a running back. Certainly, running backs because teams could wait on them um this was a lot of fun joe go ahead they doubled
2: up at linebacker last year they doubled up at safety because you just get slapped Mm -hmm. in the face with value that they're like you know what we'll do it and we'll figure it out later
0: yeah and in that i think it's going to pay off at safety it paid off at linebacker we'll see if it pays off if they do it again this year joe will be back on tomorrow's show talking about jonah williams and his future in cincinnati should he be the right tackle should the bengals be right tackle or bust at twenty-eight? We will discuss that in more. Hopefully you enjoyed this throwback, throwback edition of Locked on Bengals. For Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko, I'm James Rapine. Thank you so much for listening to the Locked on Bengals podcast.